Ian Smith without Smithy because he's at Seddon Park doing very good work at the uh, test cricket venue for the second test between South Africa and the Black Caps. He will be back from 10 with Daniel McCarty and crew. Uh, he'll be back on this show on Monday, I believe. So there you go. I'll get us through today. Sam Ackerman can get us through the hour tomorrow. And Smithy will be back come Monday. So that's fantastic for you here on SENZ. Uh, lots going on this morning. Uh, I'll have a busy little hour for you. Basically, I want to talk cricket from 9.30, 9.25. 0800 811 will be the talkback line because I think we're going to have to have a chat, aren't we, about the state of our uh, nerves and cricketing nation because yesterday was, well, it was soft, it was messy, it was disappointing, it was disparaging. It wasn't very good, that batting collapse, was it? Especially with the Australians on the horizon. Uh, that was, um, yeah... A little bit disappointing, I think it's fair to say, to see that the Black Caps wilt like that through the middle order. Uh, but before then, we're going to catch up with Nico Hume. We're going to talk a little bit of golf. Um, we're going to talk golf because Kazuma Kabori is, well, he's on fire and he's been picking up wins like it's uh, they're going out of fashion, to be honest, on the Webex Players Series. And um, there's another event that literally starts this morning across the ditch in the Hunter Valley. So we're going to talk to Nico, Nico Hearn, a former professional player and a very good one at that, about Kazuma Kabori. We'll talk some golf, and then it's going to be over to you on the Black Caps. Uh, I imagine there'll be some critics and some harsh ones this morning, and that is okay. I'll give you some tips. I've actually got four tips for the weekend. Racing. I did my form yesterday because I've got a wedding this weekend, so I'm off duty here. I'm off to Auckland, to Waiheke Island. To, to go and do the wedding thing, and um, I've done the form early, so I can give you the tips. Not my wedding, by the way. Our last thing I should mention this morning is these these fires behind me on the Port Hills here in Christchurch. Really sad, and yeah, scary, because I don't think we're quite out of the woods yet, and that seems to be what the emergency services are saying. It's meant to be a 26 or 7 degree day here in Christchurch, but worse than that is about a 30 kilometre northerly or northwester later in the day, and it can make things quite difficult for these fire services. I mean, this is the same place this fire was about seven or eight years ago when the Christchurch Adventure Park, the mountain biking park, got absolutely destroyed. And um, I saw this morning that police and authorities are asking for those people that think it's a, a good idea to uh, <laughs> go and do the, the dark tourism thing around the, the scene of the fire they just want you to get out of the way. And I just could not imagine someone being so stupid to drive towards a fire and get in the way of fire services and, and police. So if you thought about it, but you didn't do it, uppercut yourself for thinking about it. And if you're driving there to do it now, pull over and uppercut yourself at the second. Right. Let's get into it. Six minutes past nine. We're going to talk some golf this morning. We're going to talk positive things. We want to talk one of the budding superstars in New Zealand sport, Kazuma Kabori, who is on a terrible tears to start 2024. He is carving the Webex Players Series apart. Nico Hearn is a, a wonderful golf analyst, commentator. Uh, he has um, played and won on the big stage himself. He knows what talent looks like and... I, I dare say he's going to suggest that Kazuma Kabori's got it in spades. Nick, wonderful to chat to you this morning. Thanks for making some time, mate. Uh, good morning, Louis. No problem at all. This this young fella, Kazuma, who's actually from this part of the world, um, down here in Canterbury, New Zealand, he is 
something out of the box. We've spoken to him a couple of times, the confidence he uses, the talent he kind of knows he possesses. It's, it's pretty promising for New Zealand golf, but I don't think anybody would have expected him to rattle off three wins to start 2024 in this fashion. What about you? No, exactly. I think uh, he was probably a bit surprised himself, but to be honest, we've, we've all been marvelling um, at his talent and, and how calm he is, I guess, under pressure as well, and how good he is on the greens. I mean, we even gave him a bit of a nickname a while ago called Lord of the Greens because he's that good. Um, and then last week when he won uh, again for the third time in four weeks, well, I decided to change that to King Kazuma. So <laughs> he's getting nicknames <laughs> left right and centre at the moment. So uh, he uh, he's very talented, one-hour uh, won our qualifying school on the Challenger PGA Tour Australasia and and we sort of had our eye on him for a little while and then he had the lead going into the final round of the big PGA but stumbled and ever since that I think he's learned from it and just reeled off three out of the last four. So, so impressive. I mean, it's amazing. He's sitting there second in the order of merit um, on the, the Aussie PGA to, to get that DP World Tour card. Uh, if he can continue this projection, there's not going to be any issue in that considering it's Min Woo Lee who sits top um, Brent Coletta's uh, been Brett Coletta's been playing wonderfully as well what what could you put it down to though this you say he he kind of went through that um, capitulation at the end of last year and it, it might have taught him a lesson or two but is there anything in his game you're seeing obviously on the greens he's been sensational but he's young in his career has he got noticeably better at one part of his game that you've noticed uh, no, I think he's, the only thing I've noticed is uh, I think the composure and the confidence that he shows in, in his own game and, and he doesn't uh, he doesn't try to do things that he that he shouldn't and, and what I mean by that is he, he plays to his strengths, his strengths, he avoids his weaknesses. I mean on, on the par fives uh, last week when we saw him win there in Sydney, he, he laid up on all the par fives, trusted his wedge game and then knocked it close and made the birdies. Now it takes a lot of discipline to be able to do that and especially for someone at such a young age, um, I've always sort of said on the commentary, he's got a, uh, a very old head on young shoulders. So he, um, he really knows how to handle his game, manage it on the way around. The only downside to his game at the moment is he doesn't have a lot of length, um, which doesn't make too much of a difference, I think, down here in Australia when he's been playing. Now, when he heads overseas, he might need to look at uh, adding some yardage and some length onto his game. But... I mean, he's only, what, 22, so there's plenty of time to get stronger and, uh, and and do those sorts of things. But for the time being, he's playing great golf and just continue on this trajectory. And I looked it up the other day. I heard that uh, the only guy who's ever won three out of his first 10 professional <laughs> tournaments uh, was Tiger Woods. So that's pretty impressive company, you might think. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I, that stat was floating around, and it's kind of hard to believe, Nick, isn't it? It's uh, quite staggering, the company, but... Obviously, apples and kind of, you know, some sort of different fruit. I won't say oranges, but I'm curious, actually, what have, what have you made of this WebEx Players Series? You've obviously been a, a part of it and, and called a fair bit of it. It's an interesting concept, and um, the, the standards of field that he has been beating up on, is this, it's obviously not what Tiger was doing, but it's, um, I mean, it's it's no easy feat. Like, there's some of the characters that were chasing him down last week were pretty experienced uh, golfers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, look, at the end of the day, you, all that you can do is beat whoever they put in front of you. And uh, last week, going into the final round, four players were tied at the top, and and you had some real quality there as well. Harrison Crow, who won the New South Wales Open a couple of years ago, Jenny Shin, uh, who's uh, number sixty-five in the world on the women's side of things. So the WebEx Players Series is really, I think, 
uh, been a great thing for the game of golf down here because it, number one, it's um, it's 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 a uh, it's, it's the catalyst to be able to have these tournaments going forward, the men and women going together. Because sponsorship dollars is the really tough thing to get, um, you know, when you're playing golf tournaments down here. So uh, sponsors love to see the men and women playing together. I think it's uh, a very unique format, and Australia has sort of led the way in that regard. So um, it's only good for golf at the end of the day. And I know the fields aren't as strong as what Tiger was going up against, but uh, as I say, if he just keeps on this uh, trajectory that he's on, well, then who knows uh, how far he can go. Nick, last time we spoke to Kazuma, he said that his that the player he enjoys watching the most, and if he was to model himself, and you know you know what he's like, he's actually quite a confident young guy, and he's he's definitely he wants to be himself, which I think is going to take him a very long way. But he said that the player that he he really enjoys watching and tries to emulate a little bit is Cam Smith with his short game, and you mentioned his wedges and that those uh, the discipline that it takes to be you know laying up and. Um, using your touch around the greens and, and kind of short yardage to go close and, and knock birdies and save pars. Do you see a little bit of Cam Smith's short game in Kazuma Kabori? And, and obviously that'd be a massive compliment to Kazuma, but I, I think um, he's noticed himself that there's a there's a little path there. And if you can, you know, going through the tours when it does, the courses do get harder and, and he goes up north, which he obviously will end up. I mean, ha- having touch around the greens and from those short numbers, it's just so helpful, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is, and at the elite level, at the end of the day, if you're not good with wedges and you're putting, um, well, you're probably not going to make a living out of the game, and if you are one of the best at it, well, then you certainly will. It doesn't really matter what you do off the tee, although obviously you still want to hit the ball fairly straight. But yeah, Cam Smith's a great comparison, I think, and, and he's a good example of how he, he added length uh, later on after um, you know being quite successful. Knew he needed to get longer, and he was able to do that, and obviously became the Open champion. So... Um, it, it, there's a, some similarities and, and some differences. I mean, I, I actually think that Kazuma's putting stroke is, is one of the best I've ever seen, and and the reason is because more so because of the rhythm to the stroke. I mean, it's just it's very yeah. long and smooth, and, and there's really no uh, no idiosyncrasies, and nothing really can go wrong. And the scary thing was a little while ago, he says, "Well, I haven't actually been practicing my putting that much, so I thought I'd give it some time." And then, <laughs> with a bit of practice, he's just become the best putter in Australia. It's incredible. Yeah, he doesn't hit many balls. That's the interesting thing. He he try. He's not one of those. He's not a a, a range rat. He, he called himself. He said he's not that into that sort of thing. He you know he works hard at his craft, but you'd know Nick. Some some golfers they obsess about it, right? They can stand there on the range for hours and look at angles and trajectory and put all the buckets on all of their limbs. But some guys just like to do it by feel. Um, it's kind of quite a personal thing, isn't it? It's very much that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was playing in the US, there'd be the whole gamut of players. I mean, Bubba Watson, he never used to hit balls. He would just go out on the golf course and, and play, and then other players just uh, was on the range all day like a Charles Howell III. So yeah. the, the thing is you've got to know your own game. You've got to know what your body can uh, can do and can't do. I wasn't a big range rat like uh, Kazuma as well. I, I sort of worked more on the mental game, some short game stuff, hit balls when I needed to, and conserved a lot of energy. And I think you know if you can do that, and uh, then you might be able to, uh, elongate your career a bit more as well because some guys just burn out too early. So he's going to keep momentum moving forward. They're going to the Oak Cypress Lakes Resort. Uh, this is the last of the Webex Player Series, I think it is, Nick. And then um, obviously the New Zealand Open's right on the doorstep as well. And he's going to come in here and probably along with Steve Elka be our best chance to win it, try and 
take it back off the seemingly endless list of Australians that like to win our National Open. But um, if he can, you know, is, is there any reason to suggest that this form's going to slow down, first of all, in Hunter Valley this weekend? And, and obviously golfers can't just go out and win every single week. I mean, that's just not how it works. But is there anything to suggest about this course and then heading into the New Zealand Open? Kazuma kind of can't keep this tear going. No, I, I, I'm actually probably he'd be the favourite going in, obviously, and, and the way he's playing, I think the course sets up pretty good for him. It's uh, it's similar to some of the other courses he's been playing recently and nothing to say that he won't continue this form. The only thing is maybe maybe he gets a bit tired or a bit burnt out or something like that, but uh, as as we've sort of said, he manages his game so well that I don't think that's really going to happen. And uh, and then I think the New Zealand Open, um, yeah, you, you mentioned Steve Orko. Now, he's actually got a fairly similar game to Kabori as well and how much he's dominated um, over there on the Champions Tour in the US. has just been incredible to watch. And, uh, and then there's one last event, the National, which is in mid-March. So Kazuma's in a great spot right now on the order of merit. Obviously, they'll take Minwoo Lee off the list because he won't have played enough events so you can almost say he's leading it now and him to get move outside the top three I don't think will happen but uh, statistically it may still be possible but I mean if he just keeps playing well making the cut and even you know well he's, he's, his goal is not to make the cut it's to win golf tournaments but if he just keeps playing solid he'll definitely have that card wrapped up so uh, can't wait to see what he does uh, over in Europe next year. Is, is that, I mean, that's amazing, really. And, and obviously you're passionate about golf in this part of the world. The fact that he has stayed here on, on our tours, and we'll say our tours, down under, without, you know, kind of having to go up to Asia and um, go through Q school elsewhere, is that a massive vote of confidence for, for what Australia is doing and the, the kind of PGA Australia and, the I guess, the circuit and scene around here? Yeah, it certainly is. He sort of took, uh, took a similar path to what Dave Michaluzzi did last year where he thought, no... I'm not going to go to European Q, uh, qualifying school. I'm going to stay in Australia and play as well as I can and get my card that way. And I think Kazuma did the same with the Asian tour. He said, "No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go to Q school. I'm, I'm going to stay here in, in Australia, New Zealand, play here, and then try and get an overseas card that way." And it's obviously paid dividends. So, um, given we've got 16, 17 events on the schedule now here, it is possible to start making some sort of a living and actually. Um, take the next step to go overseas so uh, all credit to the tour and um, I think the tournaments are only just going to get bigger and better and the fact we have them on TV now and we can uh, you know showcase some of our young players is only helping. So uh, the elsewhere and I uh, love your thoughts on Kazuma there Nick we've got the um, Live Tours on a little bit of a break they, they come back in Jeddah at the start of March so we see plenty of Aussies then but on the PGA Tour we go to Riviera for the Genesis um, this weekend getting underway very shortly and it's kind of a, it starts to hot up here and then you know and about a, it won't be too long at all we've got the Arnie into the players and then it's Valspar and it just kind of it almost snowballs from mid-February these days doesn't it it starts to get serious yeah it certainly is and uh, Riviera is a fantastic event it's great to see Tiger playing again as well so anytime he comes back into the field you know there's a new buzz and uh, these elevated events on the PGA Tour of are bringing the best players uh, together more often, which is fantastic. And then before you know it, we'll be at the Masters. So I uh, can't wait for that first major. Oh, outstanding, Nick. Great to talk, mate. Really appreciate your insights on young Kazuma and, um, yeah, appreciate your work on the uh, the commentary gig as well for the Webex. And uh, I know you won't be here for the New Zealand Open, but I'm sure you'll appreciate that. It'll be a wonderful event. I know you'll be watching as well. Yeah, certainly will. Thanks, Lou. Cheers. There you go. Nick O'Hearn, um, former PGA Tour player, uh, a very successful player in his own right. 
Someone told me he he beat Tiger Woods in match play, I think. Twice? Brian says twice. So, there you go. That's a stat and a half. The only player to beat Tiger Woods twice in match play, I think, is the stat that goes around with Nick O'Hearn. That's a pretty good title to have, isn't it? Um, Kazuma Kabori, though. Wow, wow, wow. So, he is 850 to win this um, PGA Tour of Australasia event here, the Webex Players Series Hunter Valley event. 850 ahead of Brent Coletta. I mean, at 850, is that not just a good bet? Like, I know golf fields are big, chunky things, and it's kind of, you don't want to take anything too skinny, and, you know, you shouldn't really ever back someone under 10 bucks in a golf event, I don't think. I think that's probably the rule of thumb. But Kazuma Kabori's won three in a row. There's no reason to suggest that he would stop. The course isn't going to be longer than the other ones. He's kind of dialed in. Uh, the New Zealand Open is how many days away? 13 days, 21 hours, 54 minutes. I suggest he would probably play this weekend. And, of course, he would. I, I imagine he'd taper into the New Zealand Open, the 103rd New Zealand Open. I mean, that's a $2 million prize pool. I think this is a $250,000 event, the WebEx, the last of them. That's what most of them have been. Um, so he's racking up a nice little bit of prize money. Probably not overly important to him at this point. It's just paying his way. Um, and I'm sure it's kind of eyes forward now. So making sure he can secure this DP World Tour card. So Nick O'Hearn has pretty much told us he can't really see him getting beaten. The Order of Merit, they have three DP World Tour cards. Uh, Brent Coletta. Brent Coletta is chasing Kazuma Kabori. Um, ben Eccles is there, but honestly, Kazuma's on 726 points. Like That's a big gap back to Brett. This is in second. Minwoo Lee comes out, so he's going to be top. There's three spots. If he can go close again this week, done, pretty much. Really, really special stuff. We've got Sam Jones, young Sam Jones up there, Dan Hillier as well. Um, it, it's We're about to have Kazuma Kabori by the scenes, but it is actually just the start of the season. So this is really for next year. Uh, the DP World Tour, they have got coming up the Kenya Open. So they do their little um, African swing. The Qatar Masters just been completed. Let me have a look here and see if I can find Dan Hillier in the field. Tie for 42nd there, so a little bit of a rough final round. Fourth round for Dan Hillier, tie for 42nd. Um, Sam Jones just missed the cut at one over. So we've got a couple of Kiwis on the DP World Tour. Of course, we've got Ryan Fox on the PGA Tour. And he is... Well, he was tied 41st at the Phoenix Open. I saw him sink a birdie. Um, that was bloody cool on the big party hole there. The Waste Management Phoenix Open. And let's just have a look. I can only assume he's in this field here for the Genesis. Although, it's because it's an elevated event, maybe not. Doesn't appear to be, which is a bit of a shame, but it is a, a really, really, really strong field. So... You've got your Adam Scotts, your Rory McIlroy's. How about we do a little market update about that as well at the pgtab.co.nz. Let's go and have a look, see who is going to be favourite for this Genesis Open, which is always such a good event. I swear to God, you click your fingers at this time of the year and it, it just um, 
like you've all of a sudden got the Masters on your horizon, and it just uh, always freaks me out. Scotty Scheffler, seven dollars fifty. Your outright favourite at the Genesis. Rory, 11 bucks. Victor Hovland, 16s. Colin Morikawa, 17s. Justin Thomas, 17s. Patrick Cantley, 17s. Xander Shoffley, 19s. Max Homer, Ludwig Abir, uh, Sam Burns, Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott, Tony Fina. That is kind of your makeup. Of course, if you want a tipping, um, Deep Dive Golf, our friend Dave Bolesky, you go to his Twitter, Deep Dive Golf. He'll have your A set. Don't listen to me. I'm just giving you the markets. Uh, tournament specials, Tiger Woods. Round one to make three plus birdies or better. $1.33. Wow, we uh, top twenty finish after round one, two fifty. Oh, they'll give you all of the Tiger Woods specials you ever want. And there's a bunch of power plays there as well. But it's gonna be Scotty Scheffler, seven dollars fifty. A guy who's got that much trouble with his uh, flat stick. I, I would struggle to be tipping him at seven dollars fifty. That is very short knowing how um, up and down as putter can be. Rory McIlroy, second favourite, eleven dollars. So that's a little bit of golf for your Thursday morning. I want to talk some test cricket though. I've got a text from Dean Louie, Omen bet of the day yesterday at Topol was Cupid's arrow three sixty into dollar ninety. Yeah, it was just a bit short when I saw. It. I didn't really want to tip it at that sort of price, uh, Dean. But you're right, one well. Irish legacy was impressive. Pity you weren't going to hit back. Or no, it wasn't a betting day for me yesterday. Uh, just those fields. It was a, a wait and see. I wanted to see those young horses come through, but I agree. Beautifully bred Irish legacy. And, um, yeah, nice to see you go through the ranks. Hey, what about Doddle? I kind of was happy enough to lob Doddle out, Doddle out a little each way. Did you see he get absolutely crushed in the market and then do nothing? Very disappointing. Uh, best story in racing at the moment is Storm Boy. Guy Water, Gay Waterhouse show, sold shares in him at the pub, wins the Magic Millions, sold to Coolmore for $60 million. I think... They bought the the majority. I don't think they bought it all, uh, Dean. Um, Grand Dam is sea change. Oh, not bad breeding. Trials today and prep for Golden Slipper. I have seen this, Dean. Adam Hieronymus has been um, booted off for James McDonald, and that is just the bit the boot. <laughs> that is just the business of racing, isn't it? You know, best jockeys get the best rides. So yeah, I saw some conjecture around that yesterday, but uh, it happens. J Mac took Sam Spratt's ride in the. Karaka Millions, Spratty took it like a champ. She got one on the night with Belle Claire. It's just, it is just the business that we live in. But I want to talk cricket. 0800 150 811. Yesterday, the Black Caps started with a hiss and a roar. How good was it to see young William O'Rourke bowling thunderbolts? Heavy, fast, big, bulls, got his length right. Four wickets for 59 runs. Wonderful to see Will O'Rourke going at it, um, then we went into bat, and Tom Latham, yeah, 40, it, it was kind of okay, really, the 40 from Tom Latham, faced 104 balls, did his job, Devin Conway though, another duck, he only faced the three balls, and he went out, and he pushed at that one, nicked off, gutted for him, but you got to have to ask questions, Gary Stead is going to be interrogated here about what he wants to do with Devin Conway against Australia because Will Young, although he played one of the worst shots at the worst times of the day, he did stay. He did face 73 balls and he looked okay for his 36 till he had a brain explosion then hauled out to long on when he exactly didn't need to. Uh, Kane Williamson looked good for his 43. He was doing it tough and then he just got that little edge onto the pad. It can happen. Rajan Ravindra was trying to make shots like he does. He reached for one. It was good bowling by Maraki. He chopped on. Tom Blundell, Glenn Phillips would be very disappointed with their meek contributions for each. 
Tim Southey, I don't understand why Tim Southey doesn't bat 11 in every single team he plays in. He just refuses to imply, reply, apply himself as a batsman. I, I said he was about to haul out. You could see it happening. It was actually a miracle he stayed in there for 15 balls before he hauled out. I just don't understand why Tim Southey doesn't bat 11. Because Neil Wagner's come in and he's scored 33 with 27. Why couldn't we give Wags more time with Matt Henry? And Will O'Rourke has faced 20 balls and scored nothing, but he's faced 20 balls. I just can't get that. I can't get that from Tim Southey. If he's going to haul out like that, like he seems to do every single time, why doesn't he bat 11? Let's talk cricket. 0800 150 11. It was disappointing. It worried me a little bit for what's to come against Australia. I thought it was soft through the middle of that collapse. And um, the players that got starts, we just needed one more to go on with it. But what does today bring? Maybe you can cheer me up. Give me a call. 0800 150 We'll talk soon. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. away from 10 let's talk cricket I had a feeling you'd want to talk cricket today <laughs> and you've come through of course you have on double eight double three and oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven Ian's <laughs> Ian's is looking forward to Cliff's assessment of yesterday's play haha ha. well Cliff's on the line we'll get to Cliff in just a second but first we're going to get to Jamie in Wellington uh, Jamie what did you make of that I've got to be honest I love this team but I got flashbacks to kind of 2006, 2007-ish yesterday as we're folding like a deck of cards in the middle order and I'm thinking, oh my God, are Australia really here in 12 days' time? What about you? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, first, I'll start with a positive. I'll st- I still think we will win this game, but um, mainly because we can't, surely we can't bat that um, badly second time around. And plus also we've got the experience factor of playing in test matches and of course obviously the South African players don't at this level anyway but um, yeah I definitely share concerns with you with, with the Aussies coming I mean the likes of Conway, Blundell and to a degree um, Tom Latham but all shorter runs and a bit out of form so but unfortunately we don't really have um, players that we can replace them with what do you, what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, 100%, Jamie. I think you and me are in the exact same position, mate. I mean, it's it's not that we don't have good players. We have class players. The 11 is class. Devin Conway's a very good player. Tom Blundell was in the ICC Team of the Year, wasn't he? Or was he He was our Test Player of the Year? He might have been our Cricketer of the Year. Um, like, these are really good players. Tom Latham I'm a little bit less worried about because Tom Latham can actually soak in balls. And as an opener, you know, like... To be out there for 104 balls and score 40, he just kind of missed a straight one. A little bit less less concerned about Tom Latham. Um, it's it's we need everything to be going right. We need our players to be in form for us to contend with Australia. Jamie is what we're saying. We can't plug and play. Even if we were to plug and play, they won't. Because the selectors don't. As everybody tells me all the time, Gary Stead is conservative. I don't even know if they'll drop Devin Conway for Will Young. I wish Will Young had stayed and batted with the tail and made about 60-odd. That shot down to long on, I think it was. It was just... 
Did my head in, Jamie. Um, I'm worried. I am worried. So I think we share the same sentiments. There is a text here, though, which says, if we played Patel, we would have rolled them for 150. How come we can't read wickets? Pick bowlers to get wickets and batsmen to get runs, not bitsy players. Scott. Yeah, why have we got this pitch? Why have we read this pitch so wrong? Because South Africa have picked two and a half, three spinners, and we dropped Mitch Santner. And, and even if they had decided that, and I understand that there's a Mitch Santner hate brigade, but even if we had decided that Mitch Santner is our number one spinner over AJS Patel, okay, I know AJS Patel, stay with me, for AJS Patel fans, stay with me. Even if we have decided that, why not keep playing Mitch Santner? So when you add it all together, Jamie, you know, like yesterday morning, I, I was kind of feeling fine about the Black Caps, and now I'm just like, I got this wooziness that's kind of dawned on me. Thanks for your call, mate. Let's go to Kevin and Titarangi. You watch, you watch cricket closely, Kevin. I can only imagine you would have noticed that when Devin Conway pushed out at that and he didn't really get his foot to the pitch of it, he was never going to not edge that, was he? That's his problem at the moment, Louis. He's, um, he's a very good cricketer, but his feet aren't working, as with about six or seven of, of the others. If you go back on the replays, you look at them, they're all crease-bound when they got out. Or if they're if they if they're um, going to get out of the crease, they're guessing the ball, and then then they're getting stumped. They're not reading the hand. Um, but you, if you if you're going to read the hand in a game of cricket, uh, Louis, you ha- your your feet will work because you've seen what that ball's going to do from the hand and where the seam is. But they're not doing that. You you, you can see that from your lounge seat. Just watch the head. The head's looking down the pitch. You should be looking up at that hand. Right then the feet go. Then the hands and the um. And, and and the bat follow quickly, and that that's when you start making runs. You know, mid wicket, one run, two runs, three runs. Next minute, we're eighty for none. But that's not happening. And Hazelwood, Stark, Cummings, and Boland, and then Lyon. Uh, we need to get it. We need to get into water because they're going to have a field day. And I'm picking Cummings and um, no, uh, Hazelwood and, and Lyons are going to be a real real threat to us. I uh, totally agree. I mean, the, the the irony, and I said this, Kevin, a couple of days ago when I wrote a sermon about it. I said, like, if you line these teams up man for man, um, you know, Tim Southey and Matt Henry are a handful in our conditions, right? But Mitch, Tim Southey and, and, and Matt Henry are about to be usurped by Josh Hazelwood and um, Mitchell Stark with this bit of swing condition, the bounce of... But I can tell you what, Pat Cummins is going to. Pat Cummins is probably the perfect bowler for New Zealand conditions, as well as Josh Hazelwood. But Pat Cummins, because he's going to be playing at Hagley, where he can extract bounce, so he can pitch it up. If I'm a batsman out of form, a la a Conway, a Blundell, um, you know, even to some degree, some of these guys that haven't had too much experience yet at Test level, Glenn Phillips. I'm crease-bound as Pat Cummins is coming, and I don't know if he's going to be bowling one at my jaw or put, pitching it up on kind of fourth stump. And I'm sitting there, and I know I'm out of nick, and I know I need to hit the ball, and I need to score some runs. It's a terrifying concept. See, Jeez, maybe I'm more do- yeah, Sorry, Kevin. What, well, yeah, what, what you just said then, Louie, you, you, you don't know what they're going to do with the ball. You, you're standing there in crease-bound, and Hazelwood and... Hazelwood's a very good bowler, and he'll work you out very quickly. And Cummins and, and Stark are sta- standing on the sideline watching. And I, I don't know whether it's out of form at the moment or technique, but it's, it's a bad technique to have against, uh, um, be playing against the B side from South Africa yep, without any disrespect. 
No, no, no disrespect. That's what they are. And, and like, that's why yesterday, the morning, I kind of didn't have this on my radar because I thought we were going to come out, we were going to rocket them over like we did, and then we'd go out there and we'd score 350 and it'd be happy days. And it'd be good. We'd get some runs for the players that needed it. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Jared has texted in. Good, good to hear from you, Jared. We'll see you very shortly, I, I uh, hope. Um, thinking this selection gives us an indication of what type of pitches we will be setting versus Aussie. Feels like a case of looking forward rather than winning what's in front of us. Well, yeah, potentially. But then just as I was saying, Jared, like, what, the the pitches against Aussie are still going to have plenty in it for the seamers and plenty of bounce. They don't haven't been overly helpful for spinners, but oh, Nathan Lyon will generate plenty. And here's the thing, mate. If we lose this test against South Africa... How could we forgive them because of this point? How could we? Um, Cliff, let's go to Cliff here in Dunedin. Cliff, we'll have to keep it shortish today because we've got a stack of calls, mate. But what do you make of it? People want to know. Your fan club wants to know what you made of it. Yeah, um, yeah, it was disappointing. You know, I thought when Ravindra and Yang were in, they looked pretty solid. I know Ravindra was trying to work the ball through the offside. The problem with our boys is you've got to give the bowler his time out there. It's not a it's a five day test, but we still playing like we're playing twenties or even fifty over cricket. We have to let the ball go. We can't keep waving the bat. Look, Young was looking real good and then suddenly he got one pitched up and he and he holed out down to deep mid on and I, I, I was surprised there was even a fielder down there. I thought no one had hit one down there, but for some reason he picked the fieldsman straight to him. Yeah, you know, disappointing. Not, not, a, not, not, not the right time for that shot, was it, Cliff? And and Rajan Ravindra, I understand he wants to score, he wants to field the ball, but, you know, he was kind of fighting himself, wasn't he, to, to play that shot outside off? Yeah, and, and look, Southie was number 11 in the in the first test, and somehow he ends up batting at nine <laughs> in this one. He bat, look, they, the, the stats showed that uh, Wagner had a better average of 22 and he's made a lot more runs in the past couple of years than Saudi ever has. But for some reason, Saudi goes out there and he couldn't even get... get he looked like a schoolboy trying to play Stephen oh. Bach. Cliff, what, what, do they say, what do they say about insanity, Cliff? Like, we do this every single time with Tim Saudi. We just... He comes out and we know... I don't know. Does he want to bat there? Why wouldn't he want to bat 11 so he can have a free licence? I don't understand it. Has nobody suggested it? Like, is there a plausible explanation for this? Somebody. It's Cliff, got to keep moving. We've got a Scott in Wellington. Scott, can you cheer me up? You're usually pretty happy-go-lucky customer. Morning, Louie. How's it going? <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I've got a agree with most of the other callers, but especially what you've been saying. I mean, Southie's just living on that innings that he got against England back on his debut, and, and that's why he seems to always end up there, and it's it's so frustrating because there's been so many times where, you know, he doesn't have to go out there trying to swing for the fences. He just needs to go out there and, you know, try and support, especially when he's got a decent batsman out there with him, but he just he just doesn't, and it, it's done my head in for years. I, I've got him, I've said it so many times, so... It is frustrating. Um, I think you're right on um, Latham. I mean, the main thing for him was just getting some time out in the middle, which he did did get, even though uh, it did look a bit scratchy, but it was mainly getting that time. Um, as I said to you the other day, I, 
was worried that we would look to um, have our tail start coming in from number eight, which which we did, and we just can't do that against Australia. We need someone that can bat properly coming well, this in at is, eight. But this is, Scott, um, this, is the, this is the point, and this is meant to be the strength of the side. Tom Blundell at six, Glenn Phillips at seven. Blundell, that, not getting your bat out of the way and kind of looking to play than trying to get it out of the way and... and Chopping on the way he did. That's inexcusable, really, to a guy who's bowling 126, 27. And then, you know, the Glenn Phillips dismissals, he's kind of hit his pad and it's it's messy, but those are the guys that are meant to protect the tail and protect Matt Henry. And then when, when Will Young hauled out, I just I wish he had his time again. He would hate that dismissal upon watching it back. I'm certain of it. And he was in. Uh, Gary's in Upper Hutt. Sorry, Scott, got to keep moving. We'll do Gary, then we'll shoot off for a bit. Um, Gary, what, what do you make of it? Yeah, Louis, I think we're actually falling into the trap of actually just playing down to their level. I think okay. it's, it's pretty arrogant of us to do that, but I honestly do. It's, I mean, you look at them, they're not applying themselves. Even that first day, we should have, you know, they got that partnership right at the end. And we were just coming in and just rolling the arm, or oh, I mean, a bit more than rolling the arm over, but... I honestly do think we've just sort of fallen into that trap and we've just, I don't know, our level has dropped. And like I say, it happens at times, doesn't it, when you've got a lesser team or but what Gary, you believe is a lesser team. And, and Gary, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not like turning this on you, but I'm, how, yep. like like Jared just texted and said, we've got, we're looking, we, he thinks this is a case of looking forward to rather than what's playing in front of us. But if you're looking forward to Australia, you are saying, I need to be in rock solid form. I need to be fourth up this preparation, absolutely bolting through the bit, don't you? Well, you would think so, but we haven't been doing that, have we? <laughs> I mean, that's been pretty ordinary. Uh, well, well, very ordinary. Um, I mean, yes, we should be. And Conway, on the man, I, he's a real worry for me. I think he has to get back to the Firebirds and just play yeah. some Plunkett Shield. Yeah. Um, there's a game I think, starting, I think, this Saturday or Sunday. Get him straight back in there. Well, playing Gary, against New Zealand bowlers that are... He's, yeah. he's got a... He, he has to, look, that's one one way to think about it. He's actually been named in this T20 side. And I heard Chris Harrison, uh, Grant Elliott, talking about it yesterday. They say he should go play T20 just to get bat on ball. I think that he should go back to domestic cricket, get out of the limelight, get off screen, and kind of find himself there. Great suggestion. I'm going to make the case as to why we don't have to be so worried with the black caps after this. Yeah, I'm going to try to flip this on its head. If I land the plane on this, it'll be epic. Uh, back soon. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, let's get through some text messages. James says, Morning, Louis. Ah, the Black Caps. I thought that long text I sent the other day had a bit of truth in it as to why you skimmed through it so fast and made it sound nonsensical. Test champions, please. This isn't South Africa. No disrespect, C-Team. Well, James, someone of extreme intellect like yourself would realise I didn't skim through it because I was hiding anything. There are just time pressures in this job. That's why. When you send a massive text, sometimes we have to uh, do a bit of subbing on your behalf. Are you correct about us not reading the pitch? Why do we keep doing this? Also, Southie isn't no captain. Where was the Cummins-style dig-in knock when the team needs to chip away at some runs? He needs to bat 11. Well, I totally agree. Uh, they all keep saying, didn't think the pitch would spin like this. We thought the pitch would be green and juicy. We thought it would have good bounce and carry. Tom Latham said this. Neil Wagner said this. How did South Africa manage to pick three spinners then? Isn't this, aren't these our conditions? 
I thought Carl Johnson was the, the greenskeeper, the, the pitch curator at Seddon Park for 20 years. Did nobody ask him? $52 for the draw and the cricket could be sensational money as South Africa may bat for too long and the Black Caps may just have to shut up shop if they lose a couple of early wickets to save the Test Series, bearing in mind we're already one up. Could be the bet of the year, John. Jeepers. I hope not, John. Totally agree about South. He never digs in with the bad noise, takes the easy option, trying to swing at everything, grinds my gears, Greg in the knacky. Yep, join the... Maybe we should start a petition, Greg. Would you sign? Uh, hi, Louie. I agree with the comments through yesterday's cricket. The lack of successful application was very disappointing. It was disappointing, wasn't it? I feared South Africa would improve, and God help us versus the Aussies. Cheers, Maggie. Good to hear from you, Maggie. Hi, Louie. Agree with you. He saw his poor attitude to batting. He has the ability with the bat, but has a chronic attitude to it. If he could apply himself with the bat as a limited Danny Morrison or even you and Chatfield used to, then Southie would score 30 plus. Yeah, Patrick and Ash Burden. Um, uh, how good is Mr. Smith and Co. with the commentary? Looking forward to today's play, Jared. Jared, that is the saving grace. Smithy, McCarty, Coney, Braces, Harry, Jav, the whole crew, Garth, up after this. And uh, love your show with the Black Caps. I reckon the, was the oh this will this will wind some of you up. Was the issue with the Black Caps the omission of Mitchell Santner? Maybe he leaves a huge hole in terms of bowling, batting, and leadership. Cheers, Dave. Dave, I I think you might be trying to be funny. Um, just to one. Well, actually, I don't know. Dave, I'll take you at face value. It's a great point. Maybe you're trying to wind the rest of the audience up. Who would know? Back soon to wrap the show.